Girlfriend Share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? Are you angry right now? <sighs> Are you angry at the situation? Did you guys like that? That was like guttural. <sighs> I haven't heard you do that before. <laughs> Are you angry at COVID? Are you angry at your children? Are you angry at your spouse, your friends, a weird freaky situation you are in? Are you angry at people for believing and fighting for something that is not what you would fight for? Uh, the other day, I was angry at someone who was getting kind of nasty and angry to me about a topic, and, and they were getting angry at me for believing in a different way than them, and I hope you followed that. Do you see all the anger that was going on? And I, and I don't even realize that I was angry until I started thinking about what this show would be. And I was like, oh, you know what? I, I was angry. And it, it's, it, did you notice I went from, are you angry to all of a sudden talking about my anger issues just then? Yeah. Did notice uh, that. Yeah. I was actually asking for a friend, but, uh, if you are in a place where you are angry, where do you need to like refine and tweak or edit your story? Welcome to girlfriend it. I'm Patty White with the girlfriends. And here we are, Talking about what? What do you? What are we talking well, about? I thought we were going to talk about reinventing ourselves, but right now all I see is anger, 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 and I think that we need a therapist on here today. <laughs> I know. Okay, so we are. We're talking about editing, reinventing. How do you rewrite a story that you're not really happy with, especially in this season of life? There are a few things that can make us feel as helpless as living with a story we don't like. And life is rarely fair. You know, do you find yourself saying that to your kids all the time? It's like life isn't fair. And mm -hmm. things happen beyond our control that impact our lives in negative ways. But maybe our story involves the loss of a loved one, um, an unwanted transition in your life, a difficult diagnosis, or a dream that fell through. Um, at one time or another, we all deal with with a mess, right? With disappointments, and we feel that. At, sometimes I feel like, okay, God, are you punishing me? Am I being disciplined here? And I don't know. Maybe I, maybe those are father issues. I don't know. But <laughs> women are searching for a glimmer of hope. Yeah, speaking of hope, I think uh, we could would all agree our current situ situation with COVID can lead us to feel there is no hope. Mm. Mm. Sure. Yeah, you know. But I think there was also a time um, because I uh, that I am reminded of feeling hopeless in my marriage. Do you think there's probably a lot of women here that have struggled or experienced that same? In their marriage, I am coming up on 30 years, so I am excited Yay. to say. Amazing. Yeah. Right? But let me tell you, um, my husband is a, a fanatic triathlete, <laughs> and it consumes his life. Mm -hmm. And there have been many times where I've had people come up to me 
and they ask, how have you guys made it through? Because over the 30 years of our marriage, he has been, um, what I would say, uh, a tri addict and mm. I've seen many marriages and relationships not survive. And mm. I really didn't think mine would survive. And I'm just so thankful that I can hold on to a God of hope who got me through that. Um, mm. but we were talking about reinventing our stories and I had to reinvent my story because I was so focused on the anger and how his addiction affected me and how I felt so alone. You know, I felt neglected. I felt insignificant mm -hmm. and it was all I thought about. And so I think when we focus so much on anger, it, it's, it's a monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what you said too, um, sorry, but what you said, Christette, made me think of, I mean, it's like, it was like an affair. It's, you know, it, it's not a, a person, but it is an emotional uh, time away from family, which in my mind is usually can be, uh, you know, defined as, a, as an affair. Oh, yeah. oh, completely. I mean, I said that all the time. You know, that was the other woman and she was more important than me. There was one time I forgot about this. So his whole, and this is pretty evident or not evident, um, uh, common in the um, tri um, world. Your goal is to do the Ironman in Hawaii and that you have to qualify for. And so that was, that's that. And he has done it. Thank you. I mean, praise God that did work out, but getting there was very difficult. And so there was one year where he was doing Arizona and he had hired a, um, a coach and, you know, I still had three young boys at home mm -hmm. with special needs and I thought I was going to lose my mind. So, and you know, things were tight. We, we paid for private education and he, you know, paid for this coach who was going to get him to Hawaii. So, uh, so anyway, so of course I was out that day watching his race and I arrived after he got out of the water and I saw his coach and I said, how is he, how's his time? And he said, well, he's a little slower out of the water than we had hoped. And immediately I could just feel my whole body like serious. So yeah, we're paying you for this pal. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Yeah. It gets better. One of my, you know, um, finer moments, let me tell you. So anyways, it's a long day for those of you that aren't aware. It's, you know, it's a 10 hour day. I mean, and that's doing good. You know, when you want to get into the top three in your age group. So, so I could tell he was struggling, but he was close. And so we get off the bike and now we're running. Okay. So then you get close and you run down to the stadium where they cross the finish line and, you know, three minutes feels like 20. So the coach is in front of me and I'm over here. I'm in the stands and I don't have any kids with me. Thank God. And Dan finishes the cross finishes, you know, the race and he does not get in the top 10. I came unglued. I marched down to that coach and I said, this is all your fault. You were supposed to get him to Hawaii and you didn't. I'm like, you have ruined my marriage. Wow. Because <laughs> certainly it wasn't you or Dan that ruined the marriage. It was this coach that you all just met. 
Right. And that's such a good point, Krista, because so often we don't ever, we always want to put our fingers out and blame everyone. And that's a part of like editing and refining is to go, okay, I can't keep putting these expectations on everybody else. All I can do and all I have control over is me. I can only troll my behavior and how I respond to them. And I hear that over and over again, where women are, they want to change their husbands and they want to change their husband's goals and they want to change their husbands on how they live in their day and how they use their remote and how they um, are chew, controlling chew their them. food. Yeah, they chew their food. And it's like you can only change your behavior on how you respond to all of this, period. So all we can do is is pray. And, And we were just talking about that earlier that but when we say, okay, just just pray, you know, we know it's the number one thing. But it's also, it sounds so trite because we want something tangible. As a matter of fact, I just went this weekend with one of my um, girls that are in, that's in my life group. And I actually have permission from her, Courtney, because I, I adore her. I love her. And she's always so honest, so transparent. And she was just sharing that with her therapist, she's going through all of this anger right now. She, she just graduated from college. She's in her career. She's um, moving up as a leader in her career. And yet she's dealing with this anger. And he said, you know, you need to write a, write a letter. That's the tangible thing. So for those of you that are like, ah, it's, it's like, write that letter and address all of these issues. Cause I said, who are you writing a letter to? Like, I don't even know how to, how to, funnel that. And she's like, I'm writing a letter to COVID. I'm writing a letter to my ex-boyfriend. I'm writing a letter to work. You know, it's like, oh yeah. Okay. I get it. You definitely know who to write that letter to. But I think that is such great advice, but not get stuck just in the anger, then to turn around and also do a gratitude journal. So she has to write. And that's one of the things I would always say to my kids, wake up in the morning in that place of prayer and, you know, think of three things that you're grateful for, just three things that you're grateful for. And then it becomes a habit. It becomes who you are. And that's one way you can really refine your day. Because if you're thinking about gratitude versus what you're angry about, it does change who you are. Well, I think that, uh, I think in most people's lives that might work. Can I just tell you in like, uh, I think it was like 2015, uh, the gratitude jar was a big thing. And I, you know, as crafty as I am, I made all these darling gratitude jars for everybody. And I had, um, black paper, uh, like black construction paper for your notes with a really cute white, uh, gel pen. And then I had like, uh, just recycled paper, with a black Sharpie. I, at that point was married to Jim and I gave him, he was going to be the, uh, you know, the recycled paper because of course I want to write on the black with the, uh, really cute white gel pen. And, um, so we were super good about it for about three days. We're like, yeah, it's in there. And then I start noticing it's all black paper in that gratitude jar because I'm the only one playing in this game right now. And I, but I swear to you, by the end of the year, I was so furious with him that it was, I was like almost what all, everything I could do to say, cause we were going to read them all on new year's Eve. And can I just tell you, so he started writing a whole bunch of them like around Christmas and throwing them in. 
And uh, so my gratitude jar became my angry, I'm so angry at him jar. Yeah. So <laughs> it, See, it wasn't about it, you anymore. It was about him, right? Oh, well, yeah. It just turned around about how things, uh, how I wasn't happy about literally anything at that point, I, thought, <laughs> I guess. But I did look up a bunch of words for reinvent because I love the word reinvent, especially at our age. And we were talking about different words for us and like, who, who are we? What are we? And Patty, best word I've ever heard you say is moxie. And I think other women our age know that word and love that word. I love the word muse too, but that seems like not who we are, but moxie is such a great word. But for reinvent, some of the words I pulled up were refresh Mm. remodel, which I loved, uh, remodeling myself. I'm working on that revamp, uh, remake or makeover, regenerate, renew, restore, which was my word a few years ago, revive or revitalize. That was a good one. Resuscitate, reawaken. And I just thought all those words are such beautiful words that I can visualize as what I need to do for myself when I find myself getting angry and I go, is this really who I am? Is this really who I want to be? Or do I need to reinvent myself to be somebody else? And you know, what's so cool about that is that you took the time to even look up the R words and that's what we don't do. And, and, and here I am, I, you should never use things like, Oh, we don't, or we should, or we, and, and now I'm going to, um, but we take the time to plan a vacation. We take the time right now. We're trying to refine girlfriend it. Uh, right. We're trying to figure out, reinvent. Who are we? And that's where we we were talking about that whole moxie, you know, midlife. Uh, that's that's really how we're going to re- reinvent ourselves. And I can't tell you, and and you guys are the same. We're spending so much energy and so much time trying to figure out what girlfriend it really as we go forward. But how often we do we do that for ourselves? It's really easy to do it for um, a project. Like you said, when you're um, remodeling your house, but we don't spend it on remodeling who we are to go, you know what, what are my blind spots? I need to get a bid out for my remodeling. I need to get a bid out for all the people around me to go, how are you experiencing me? And where do I need to refine and edit? And, and where, where's my head when I'm talking and doing this narrative, just like you said, Krista, when you're over here with this triathlon, it's like, I'm at home with my three boys. One of them special needs. Where are you, Dan? And now we're paying all this money out and we're doing this. That story in your head is is being processed over and over and over again instead of going, you know what? He's doing his thing and I'm going to work on me. Right. Well, and you know what? Um, It's um, reinventing, but it's refocusing also your thoughts and taking all thoughts captive. It is... I mean, I had to write too. I love your um, girlfriend's story about writing the letters uh, because that was very helpful to, um, sorry, my, hold on here, girls. I might um, disconnect. I just noticed my computer came in then. Uh, so anyways, but I, it was about me and I had to um, recognize that he 
that was his thing. You know what? And if I took my eyes off of him and put them back on myself, you know, I can only control myself. And, you know, you hear that over and over again, but it's so hard to really admit that, you know, and to really work on that. You know, you want to sometimes stay in that pit of, but look at all the things he's not doing for me. And look at how much it's affecting my children and my life, you know, and it's hard to get out of that pit. It's hard to like stay out of those words and, and that narrative, you know, and it, and it took a lot of work, let me tell you. But one of the things I kept thinking too was, well, everybody has issues. I would just be trading one issue for another and I'm already this deep in the water with him. What can I do to make this one work, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I became a better person out of it because I recognized that I was never alone, that I, what I did was I shifted, I put you know, when you, sometimes when you're angry, you, you kind of put God second, you know, that mm -hmm. anger comes first, you know, you kind of, or you just do. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah you do. Yeah. And yeah. you do, right. And it becomes yeah. you. And so I, you know, when I did that shift and recognized also w what it was stemming from and educated myself, you know, that was really helpful, but I put God back on the throne and I realized I'm never alone. I mean, because that was one of my biggest issues was I was very lonely. He was right there with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so my relationship and with him grew. That's awesome. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times, as it's like Patty said, the word refine, we want to refine ourselves, but maybe we don't even really know what, what needs refining. And I don't want to ask God because he's going to tell me and then I've got to deal with it. And now I'm accountable. I was thinking about in my life more all the times I've had to reinvent myself when it wasn't my choice. And mm -hmm. I just am thrown into a reinvention and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And I, I think that, 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 sorry, do you hear more about that? I mean, how was that like a, how hard was that? I mean, what, what was your process? Well, I, your thoughts? I think when, um, when, uh, I split up with my husband and, uh, it was not my choice and I was immediately thrown into, uh, okay, how am I going to make money? How am I going to support myself? What am I going to do? Who's going to, um, go out for happy hour with me? I mean, just, he was my friend and I loved him and, uh, to have to reinvent myself without him was a really tough thing. And it took me a year to just get to a point where I could even think about it. I was talking with a girlfriend last night who was going through the same exact thing right now. And she is saying the same thing, but I don't want to go forward. I don't want to reinvent myself. I want to restore my marriage. But if that, if one other person in the marriage doesn't want to restore sister, you got to start thinking about reinventing. And that's, um, you know, I think for everybody, it's different. And I think like for in, in her marriage, I was telling her the Dr. Phil line, which has always been, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Yeah. Which is what I was doing. And we do the same thing with ourselves. We say, okay, this year I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to be this person. But we just keep doing the same things over and over and we're still not that person. So mm -hmm. yeah. Reinventing writing some of that down. I know, I know because I'm a trainer, it's all about like tools that you can have, like <laughs> what skill do you have moving forward? But I, I think having a plan, even if it's 
you know, just right now I can only plan my day, but some type of a, a, an agenda helps build that resilience. Um, it it kind of gives you a compass, uh, a chance to reset. Uh, like you said, when all of a sudden you weren't planning on reinventing your life. And I think most of us have that. It's when someone does, you know, that phone call, the diagnosis, the um, the relationship ending, the wait, I didn't plan that. I didn't put that on yeah. my agenda. That's my compass just like swung, swung around here. Yeah. And then now what? But that that is the time. And it's the hardest time because you're grieving or you you are stuck in the pit. And I've heard someone say, not only are you stuck in the pit, like you're decorating the pit, right? Mm, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm going to stay here for a while. I think I'm going to add some curtains to this pit. Yeah. yeah. Y- you just, you're, you're not getting out of it. I, I'm trying to think if there's a story where you're in the pit and uh, the doctor walks by and gives you a diagnosis and says, if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll get out of the pit. And then the pastor walks by and says, you know, I'll be praying for you. But then the friend actually gets in the pit with yeah. you. And that's what we would like to be is that we're in this together. We're in it. We're helping you reinvent it. We would love to know what that looks like and what people want. Debbie said something to me yesterday when we were trying to like refine what girlfriend it actually is. And I said something about, um, you know, having a blast in midlife. I forget what word I said, Debbie. And you go, are you, are you really? Patty? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wait, are we having a blast here? Because, uh, that's a pretty strong word. I mean, I like it, but I certainly don't love it. Yeah, but I I do want to be. I know I you know there are days that you are loving it, and yet there are days where it's like you're refining it. And but that's why we're refining it, right? So we can be in a place with that peace beyond all understanding, and and it it is possible. So it's it's funny what we need to do to make that happen, rather than just staying in the pit. It's our expectations. You know, we get to this age and I think we had dreams or goals or thought we would be somewhere else. And the reinventing was like, oh, I already did that. Why do I have to do that again? You know, but it's part of our relationship with Christ. We're never going to arrive. Well, that's that's when we that's the end goal when we get to meet him in person. You know what I mean? In heaven. But right now we might be have to reinventing because we want to be better. You know, I. I just think of all of my reinventions opportunities as opportunities that have led me to be a better person. And that is what I want. I want to be a better person. I want you to be a better person. I want you to, and I love that you're willing to. I want Patty to be a better person is what I want. (laughs) You want Patty? (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to happen. So (laughs) as Dr. Seuss says, I am who I am. I am. I am who I am. Yeah. Right. But I just, you well, know, when I went through with Matthew as, you know, special needs as a, a young special, uh, young mom, um, I was not a very good mom. I, I yelled like my mom did. I had a tone with my other two boys that was ugly and he, I couldn't do that with him. It made his things, his, all his craziness even worse. And 
I learned how to be calm with my tone and I became a better mom, even though it was hell going through some of those things, excuse my French, but I am so grateful for it. And I want all of that for everyone too, is to get through the end. Like it reinvented me, you know, to be a better mom at that point in time in my life. You know, yeah. I'm great. The reality too, Christette, is that it didn't happen overnight. No, this my <laughs> advice to my friend yesterday was, um, okay, let's take it tomorrow. What can you do tomorrow to uh, think about your marriage going forward or thinking about it not going forward? Do some pros and cons. What could I do? What what skills do I have as a woman in my she's in her 40s? What you know, what could I do and what can I do to be a better wife or what is he asking of me? And I think what's critical is I didn't reinvent myself overnight when I was not in a marriage any longer. It took me a year of being alone and being away from everything to really process it, which I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough time to, or enough grace to just say, you know what? It's okay. Today, this is who you are, but God knows your heart tomorrow. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do better. And And I love Go ahead. Sorry, Debbie. I I just didn't you say you painted a restore? I like that imagery of like something you I have to do. I paint I paint murals. Um I, well I was painting murals at that time and so I painted a mural in my house as soon as we left Kansas City because there was infidelity, moved to Phoenix and I had decided that this is my time to shine and I'm going to restore this marriage and I'm going to uh, give my testimony to women's ministries because look at me and look at my great marriage. And so, and I had a nice size house and I built this uh, big area where people could come and I wanted people to come to my house all the time. And, um, so I took the word restore in Latin and wrote it. And every single person that came to my house wanted to know what that was. So it ended up being a great, um, icebreaker for people who didn't know my story. So, Anyway, but again, it didn't happen overnight. It took years. And um, and sometimes it doesn't go the way we think it's going to be because uh, my word restore, it looked really great on my wall in my house, but it didn't happen. Mm, and so yeah. a few years later, I've got a mural that says restore. That now it's like my gratitude jar. Now I am so pissed every time I see it. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Debbie? It, it's what we think is the definition of restoration and the way we think it might go. Um, You are restored in so many ways. Like you are such an inspiration um, to to me. And so it's just funny what that restore might look like to you is completely, you know, different others. And I'm just glad that you didn't whack Jim's private parts off, uh, Well, I didn't say I did not say I didn't do that. Um, Okay, Patty, who's coming up next half hour? Because I I think this is going to be a great show. All right. We do have an amazing show. Heather Dixon has uh, written a book called Renew, Finding Hope When You Don't Like Your Story. And it's all about Ruth and Naomi. And you cannot miss it. And here's our tip for today. To all the girls who are in a hurry to have a boyfriend or get married, a piece of biblical advice for you. Ruth patiently waited for her mate, Boaz. While you are waiting on your Boaz, don't you dare settle for any of his relatives. 
broke as, pro as, lying as, cheating as, dumb as, drunk as, <laughs> liar as, and especially his third cousin, Bicho as. Wait on your Boaz. Make sure he respects you. That was so inappropriate for our it's show, so I think. so inappropriate, Debbie. I am laughing so hard because why do we not add a disclaimer or at least figure out, like, let's edit you before you come on the show? <laughs> you need to, like, refine. Okay, Debbie, no, what are you going to no say? <laughs> what is your tip before <laughs> you? But, hey. Sorry. Did Come I on, say it's funny. you were an inspiration? <laughs> yeah. I need that t-shirt that says, I love Jesus, but I might cuss a little too. <laughs> All right. With that, stay with us and we'll be back right after this commercial break. recording of our own voice, it always sounds different than we think. This is because the bones in our skull create a resonance from within that makes our voice sound deeper to us. But our recorded voice is how others hear us. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has uttered the words, I really don't sound like that. Do I? Margaret Thatcher famously underwent vocal training to lower her voice and make her sound more statesmanlike. Recently, British Airways polled Americans and Britons to see who they believed had the sexiest voices. Morgan Freeman was voted number one. If a judge loves the sound of his own voice, expect a long sentence. What's a word for a person who loves to hear the sound of their own voice? A philodox. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Who's smarter, dogs or cats? Cat owners, prepare to extend your claws. Studies at Oxford University suggest canines are smarter than felines because dogs are more interactive. Cats prefer to be left alone and mollycoddled. Dogs also have to listen to all our belly-ragging commands, such as sit, shake, roll over, quit barking, and get off the couch. In addition to understanding the human language, dogs seem to know the difference between right and wrong. In fact, dogs fit the definition of a snap sauce perfectly. A snap sauce is someone who purposefully sneaks the last bite when no one is looking. Our angelic-looking Boston Terrier would always wait until my husband walked out the door before jumping on the couch. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. We started out today talking about uh, reinventing it. How do we refine it? How do we edit our story? And uh, I would say we started out that way, but apparently we did not because I went into anger issues and then we started talking about how to refine your yeah. story. And we're, we just want to hear um, from Heather now. We have an amazing guest and she shares how Naomi's story in scripture um, just 
literally had such an impact on her. And so, Heather, I'm going to go ahead and let you. You're an author. You uh, also speak at women's events. And now you are writing this book called Renewed, Finding Hope When You Don't Like Your Story. So do you mind telling us a little bit about why you chose Naomi and share why she had such an impact on you? Sure. And hey to everybody that's listening. Thanks so much for having me on today, gals. You guys are a hoot. And I'm just so glad to be with you. Um, yeah, Naomi. So I, I, I started teaching the Bible about 20 years ago when my husband and I uh, were leading a youth ministry. And um, Ruth was one of the first things that I taught. And I taught it from Naomi's perspective. I've always taught it from her perspective because, quite frankly, she's a hot mess. And I think that, you know, you read the, the book of Ruth. It's a beautiful little book. And, you know, everyone loves Ruth and they love Boaz. But do you know anybody that actually is like Ruth or Boaz? Maybe, maybe not. Like when I, when I, read the book of Ruth, um, I, I really resonate with Naomi's story. Um, and so I chose to write it from Naomi's perspective because ultimately I think it is her story. Um, for all believers, I think a, a transformed heart is one of the key identifiers of life with Christ. Um, and, you know, as readers, we get to experience that journey with Naomi, her journey from bitterness to renewed joy. And I think that, you know, those of us who are living with stories that we don't like, and certainly in this season of COVID, no one likes our stories right now. Um, you know, we, we can, we want to hop on that train. You know, we can identify with that journey, that transformation from bitterness um, to renewed joy. And, you know, like I said, Ruth and Boaz are beautiful characters, but they're rather stagnant. So Naomi is the one that changes. It's her transformation um, that, you know, she echoes anyone who struggled with a hard story and found Jesus to be faithful along the way. That's the main reason why I chose uh, to write this from Naomi's perspective. I think um, also I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. And for those of you who are book lovers, I mean, the, the Bible literally is a nerd's paradise. Um, and so, you know, it is. I mean, there's, there's always something to learn. And I, I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 5. I'm a, a four-wing five, a total nerd. Um, and so from a literary perspective, like I, my, um, my Sunday school teacher was also my high school English teacher. And so, you know, my love for scripture was really fostered by her literary excellence and expertise. And so from a literary perspective, for those of you that appreciate that sort of thing, I mean, the book of Ruth is chock full of it. Um, and so there's just a lot of devices that the author uses to kind of clue us in, hey, P.S., this is this book may be called Ruth, but it's Naomi's story. It, it, like we're always pointing back to her. And then then the other one, which I think is is important for us to remember, is that, you know, when you think of Naomi, what's the one word that you may think of? Bitter. Like Naomi is kind of synonymous with the word bitter. Everybody knows Naomi was the bitter one, right? Yes. Um, right. And I, I don't know. I think maybe she's been judged too harshly. And so um, I want to give my readers a safe place to explore their own feelings of bitterness because I know I've walked that path. Um, and, you know, as they learn to look for God's movement in their own story and to remind them, you know, Naomi reminds us we have permission to grieve. We have permission to say this is not okay. This is not the way the world is needs to be and should be and we need Jesus. So those, I, I just, I heart Naomi for life. She's, she's my mm. girl. 
<laughs> okay, Heather, your passion is just coming out of your pores right now. And there's so many things that you, you said. Uh, I, I want to get to the question because you had me at bitter and we're really working on Debbie's bitterness right now to yeah. today's show. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still stuck on the Bible as a nerd's paradise. I want to, I want to uh, have you somehow copyright that and put it on bumper stickers. I love it. <laughs> It is. I mean, it, I, I don't know. I'm always learning for knowledge. I'm thirsting for knowledge. And I mean, you're all, you're always learning. We're always learning something in the Bible. Oh, I didn't know that before. I don't remember reading yeah. that. Or oh, look at that detail. I mean, it's just it's it, it is nurse paradise. So yeah, that that is so funny. And I my other thing is it, it's interesting that what you said, you know, from a literary perspective, because for those people who we were just saying earlier in the show when you say, yeah, let's let's start reading Matthew together. And then a lot of my my younger girls, they're like, OK, I'm so bored, like you're going to have to help us out here. So they're listening to you where you're just craving, you know, God's mm -hmm. word. And then others are like, I don't understand, John, at all. <laughs> so it is it's funny. And, and I love that because your passion makes me want to, like, you know, dive in. Um, and and maybe cast the vision in a different way when you are working and mentoring some of the the younger generation, but on going back to bitter, yeah. uh, just tell us about you. Tell us your woes, Heather. Tell mm -hmm. us your bitter story. <laughs> you oh my my bitter story. Everyone wants to hear drama and trauma. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes we do. <laughs> So, okay, gals, there, there are a couple things that, you know, that I could share with you about the story, the part of my story that I just, I don't really like. I think I kind of see them in milestones of my life, and maybe we all kind of have that perspective. We can look back on a timeline on our lives and say, oh, that was a milestone for bitterness. That was a milestone for bitterness. Um, and so for me, my milestones would be uh, when I lost my mother. At, um, I was 11. She was 37, and she oh. passed away from this, you know, really rare um, medical disorder disease. It, it was 1988 and they, they didn't know. And she was in the hospital for about a month and a half and just didn't make it. And so that was a really, really hard time for, for me and for my family, obviously. Um, the second milestone was when my father died when I was about 20, about 20 years later than that. I was 31 and he hit a tree. He was driving and he hit a tree and it was just sudden and um, I did not expect it. And um, I remember thinking I'm 31 and I don't have my parents here on earth. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, I was, I was really bitter with that one. I think that, you know, that hit, I want to say it hit me harder. Harder is the wrong word, just in different ways. At 11, you're young and you're, uh, you know, kids bounce back so quickly. And, you know, at, at 31, when, when he died, I said, okay, Jesus, I'm done. Like that was yeah. when the bitterness really set in for me um, because I just was so tired of, of death. And I, I naively thought, you know what? I've lost my mom. I've, you know, tapped out on my card for, um, you know, trauma in my life. So I'm good. Nothing else is going to happen. Right. The rest is, you know, picket fences and rainbows. And that's just not how this world works. And so when my dad died, I just, I was so angry and I, I was angry at God and I was bitter. And, and I walked away from the church for about four years because I was just so, uh, I, I told God just, just like Naomi did, I said, you have made my life bitter. Um, and so, you know, that those seeds, kind of started to plant, but in a way that 
that only Jesus could could orchestrate. You know, he just lovingly pursued me and he wooed me back into a close and personal relationship with him. And so I started to, you know, really, really, really study the Bible intensely because I was so thirsty for it. Hadn't read it in four years. Um, and, you know, I just, I was hungry for God's word. And so I would wake up in the morning, like at uh, four o'clock in the morning and go out on the porch and my husband would come outside. What are you doing? It's like, I don't know. I just like, I, I need God's word in my life. And, you know, what he was doing in that season was preparing me for what was about to come next, which is, you know, what I would consider my third major milestone. And um, in the fall of 2016, I had a slew of medical events, major medical events. I had a miscarriage and um, I had a, a aneurysm that flared that caused a ruptured, par- uh, a, excuse me, a partial kidney infarction. And you should try telling your eight-year-old son that You've had a kidney infarction and there will be laughter for days. I guarantee you. He'll never get that. <laughs> it's a funny word. He'll never get that out of his head. That's a great word. <laughs> it is a great word. Um, and so I had, you know, those things. And then uh, it ended with uh, my carotid artery ruptured uh, spontaneously. And so, um, you know, God placed this very precious doctor from Europe and in, in the ER that night. And she said, I, I think you have something going on here that hasn't been diagnosed. And she was looking at that. She was looking at my medical history from about 10 years back because I had had early labor. My son was uh, was born prematurely and my colon had ruptured. And uh, before that, and then she's looking at uh, my mom's medical history. And she said, you know, I think you have this connective tissue disorder. It's genetic and I want you to get tested for it. So I did. And of course it came back positive, yes. I have vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a genetic connective tissue disorder that makes blood vessels, arteries, and organs prone to spontaneous rupture. And I guarantee you, it's taking me four years to spit that out without taking a breath. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a big, it's a big word, big phrase. But, but what that means is that my body just, uh, my, my genetic code doesn't spit out um, the, the proteins required to hold the body together. And so we know now that this is what took my mother's life. And so um, the average life expectancy for vascular EDS is 48, um, and there's no cure. And so that, I don't like my story. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know I, I, don't, I don't like that story. Uh, and so I understand, you know, grief and loss and life changes where you just have to close the door and, like, turn around, determine not to look back because your life has changed, pick up your head, and keep going. Um, but... I also know the sweet and life-giving love of a heavenly father um, because he fills our story with comfort and with hope and with purpose, even when we may feel like all is lost. Um, Like I've walked that with him. And so, you know, God breathes renewed life into our souls. And he did that for Naomi. And, you know, I really, really uh, want readers and, you know, want the women in my community to know that truth for them because that's what keeps me putting two feet on the floor in the morning. Morning when I just, I don't like my story. I'm never going to like my story, but God is good and he can renew it. Mm-hmm. And you talk mm-hmm. about the story also though, that, you know, when we're talking about reinventing ourselves after divorce or whatever, you, mm-hmm. you, you can't reinvent yourself. This is right. your story and this is your, your forever story. So what you're saying is you're reinventing how you're not staying in self pity with that story you are reinventing your attitude and your love for Jesus and your love for others. 
Exactly. I, and I love that, that you, you know, made that observation because, I mean, that is, that's a big part of who, you know, I, I write for two women. I write for women who are Bible nerds like me and they just love Bible study and they've lived it their entire lives and they dig into it no matter what the topic is. Um, and then I also write for the woman who is walking with a story that she can't change and she didn't choose. And like you said, she can't reinvent the story. Um, it's mm. not a season of hardship. It is, it defines her story. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that takes some time and it takes number one, you have to allow yourself to grieve. Um, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I love Naomi so much is she reminds us that it's, it's okay. You know, you, this, this is not okay. And it's okay to say mm. this thing sucks and this is not the way the world should be. Um, but yeah, I think recognizing the difference between, um, stories that, um, you know, that, that are just seasons versus stories that are forever stories. Like you said, I love that, um, you know, takes, takes some determination. So that's why I love, I love reading it from Naomi's perspective because I think she teaches us good things when we're walking through that. Mm. Yeah. And, and Heather, you, you write in your book about, you know, God doesn't call plays out of a playbook from the clouds. And I so appreciate that because we were just <laughs> talking about, you know, writing your agenda, taking that time to kind of refine. And then as you're writing that agenda and, and you feel like God's calling him out, you know, from the clouds, like how do we add him into some of that of our agenda and what I mean by that, where in your book, you talk about he, he walks along every step of our story. He's literally holding our hand. But when you share that with someone, when they're in that grieving place, it, it can be difficult. So what are, what are some, some of the things that you or all of us that we need to remember about God's sovereignty when it comes to, to our story? Sure. Well, those are, those are really big questions that I think that, you know, a lot of humanity struggles with. Um, I, I do, I know that, you know, my friends do, you know, we're asking essentially, he's a good God, you know, why all this bad stuff happening? You know, how do I see him in my story? Um, and I think that um, just to piggyback on what, you know, we were just chatting about that, um, you know, when, when you, when you're faced with a story that you can't change, you have to change your perspective. And one of the things that one of the deepest blessings that comes out of that is that I realize I have realized, you know, that the prize is God. Um, you know, God is a relational God. He isn't calling playbooks. Yes, he is sovereign. And yes, he ultimately was in control of Naomi's story, but he did he punish her for it? No. Like you see that she's bitter, but as she walks through the rest of her story, God is always taking care of her. And so, you know, the blessing is the relationship with Jesus, the intimacy that we have. And so I think what I would tell someone who, you know, is really struggling with that is to say, you know, baby steps. Number one, give yourself permission to say, this is not okay. Um, mm -hmm. Number two, you know, look in the details. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big detail person, detail oriented person. When I was newlywed, my husband came home and our entire house was atrociously dirty and I was cleaning the baseboards because I just focus on details <laughs> and not big picture. Yeah. Um, and, and I, but I think that that's a, that's a perspective that is helpful. Um, and so, you know, when you start to look at, you know, seeing God in your details and realizing he, re he really is holding your hand, like he really is right 
with there with you. Uh, case in point, the, the fact that I mentioned that the doctor that was on call at three o'clock in the morning on this random night when I showed up at the ER, having been transferred from another hospital that didn't know what to do with me, was a doctor mm -hmm. from Europe who was very familiar with my condition because mm -hmm. it's more prevalent in Europe than it is in wow. the United States. Oh, that wow. was God in my details. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, other, we look, we could have an entire episode talking about, you know, God showing up in my details, but I would tell someone to look for things like that. You know, when, when you don't feel like your story is resolved, you know, when, when you don't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel yet, um, you know, just start looking for small details where God is moving. Um, and, you know, and, and then, then, you know, the third thing that I, that I love to remember, um, I, I think when you're walking with, with a story, um, that you can't change, it's easy to feel helpless. It's easy to feel, uh, paralyzed. And, um, I have been at my worst when I felt like there was nothing I could do to change things. And ultimately, yes, God is in control, but we have free will and there are things that we can take control over. And so assess what are the things that you can change to bring you greater life and peace over your story. Um, Naomi does that in, in the third chapter. She says, look, you need a husband. I'm going to help you get there. And, you know, that sounds kind of scandalous. But in reality, what she was saying was we need we need provision. We need a job. We need someone to provide for our food. And this is how we're going to get there. Um, and mm -hmm. so she took control. And at the end of that chap chapter, she says, wait, my daughter. She tells Ruth, wait for the, for the man will not rest. See what happens later today. And so, you know, it's that move and wait, you know, thing as we, as we learn to, you know, relate closely with God, it's this relationship of moving forward in our free will and taking control of the things that we can and then waiting on God to move uh, because he's always working behind the scenes. So, you know, every, every moment matters to him. I think that's important for us to remember, you know, that every moment of our life matters to him. And, and he is, he is a relational God and he, he just, he wants to walk with it, walk with us in it. Um, and when we can train our minds to start seeing those details and taking action on, on what we can change and letting him do the rest, um, I think our perspective changes, right? Heather, when you said that you um, just had a craving for God's word, when you had been somewhat in a better state for a few years, what what was happening? Like, was it, uh, were people breathing into you? Were you, um, cause were you away from the church at that time? What, what brought you back to craving God's word? That's like, I'm so glad you asked that. That's a great question. Um, so number one, for sure, my husband was, was faithfully praying for me. Um, mm -hmm. I, I will, um, recognize Jesus's face when I see him in heaven, because I have seen his face in my husband. Um, the way that my wow. husband loves me, um, the way that my husband pursued my broken heart, the way that my husband never gave up on me. Um, he loved me during that season, the way that Jesus loves us. Um, and so even though I wasn't always receptive to it, I was angry. I was angry at God. I was angry at, at my husband. I was angry at everybody I could be angry at. I was angry. Um, I wasn't receptive to it, but when I look back on that time, you know, my husband was just faithfully, prayerfully supporting and loving me through it. Um, the second thing was God um, sent me the only thing that I would listen to in that time, and that was my four-year-old son. 
And uh, we were sitting, the only day I would go to church was Easter Sunday. I grew up in, in the South. I grew up as a Southern Baptist. You don't skip Easter Sunday church, y'all. Right. Go straight um, to hell. That's right. <laughs> uh, and so I, we were sitting there at Easter Sunday and, and God, like he was already like tickling me with his presence. You know, I mean, he was already um, like I was seeing verses and scripture and just little things where I was starting to question myself. Is this is, is God is my, in my details? Is he is he really here? Like what's going on? You know, and uh, we we're sitting there on Easter Sunday and the, the pastor was preaching on um, the, the time when Mary Magdalene, you know, appeared, or Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene in the garden. And she's so overcome with grief and she doesn't recognize him because she thinks he's the gardener, right? Cause she probably can't even see through her tears. And so she doesn't realize it's him until he calls her by name. And he says, Mary. And then she says, Raboni, my teacher. And she realizes, oh my gosh, he's been here this whole entire time. And that's how I felt, you know, in, in my bitterness and my grief. I was like, why can't I see him? You know, why can't I feel his presence? Just tell me where he is. That's what Mary says. She says, tell me, tell me where you, where you, where you put the body. I'll go to him. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's just literally how I felt. And so pastor is teaching on this and my son wanted to write down, he's just learning to, to write and he wanted to write little, uh, uh, write down, you know, sermon notes. Cause that's what my husband does. Cause that's the example that he's given my son. And so I'm helping him write it down. And, um, you know, what, what he wrote was this, it was Jesus. And so he takes the Bible and he shoves it in my face and everybody in the church could probably hear his sweet little voice. And he says, mommy, don't you see it's Jesus. It's mm. Jesus, mm. right? Um, and I just, I, 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 it was a moment that, you know, you just, like, if you could slice the Holy Spirit's presence, presence with a knife, like, you, you could have, you've cut right through it. Mm. And I, I turned to him, and I said, what, really? And I was like, that, that's it. And it was like a wall just kind of came down. And, mm. um, and I sat, my husband was reading outside on the porch that afternoon, and I, I came outside, and I said, babe, I said, Jesus is calling me home. And he got up and hugged me and we cried. And, and then, you know, from that point forward, I was getting up before dawn just because I needed more of his word in my life. But only God could have orchestrated that, mm -hmm. you know, that re re reclamation, that reclaiming of my soul through the only person that I would listen to. And that was my son. Wow. And you have such a way of articulating that. And that when I asked that question, that is the answer I was looking for. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. Yay, I got an A. <laughs> it's so beyond an A because we say these things to people, but we, but I know for me, I have a hard time really articulating exactly what you just said. So people go, it's not that God's calling these plays from the right. clouds. He is in there with us. And yet it's so hard to really describe that. And, and you're, God was tickling me in his details. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly. I know in my lowest, lowest point where there was so much grief, I was in, I, I would say just shock grief. And yet I felt like God just infused me with this adrenaline. Like I had had five cups of coffee every morning and was it was, uh, you said the Holy Spirit, you could cut with an eye. The Holy Spirit was bouncing off the walls. And it's really hard to explain that to somebody because yeah. they go, oh, you, that's just who you are. That's just right. your temperament. And it's like, no, 
<laughs> That's not, and a friend said the greater the tragedy, the greater the grace. And I do feel that at times, um, exactly that where God just breathes into you just those little tiny, tiny details. Well, we have three minutes here, Heather. And first of all, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel inspired. I feel rejuvenated. Oh, no. yeah. uh, your story and especially the, the details um, just with your son. If there were just a couple of things that you can say to all of us that are in it, you know, we started out just the anger that's there. What what tips, what tools can we walk away with um, in in a minute and 30 seconds? <laughs> to us all. Okay. Okay. So here's the, here's the quick snippet. Number one, you have permission to grieve. Uh, you have permission, allow yourself a time and space to grieve your hard story. Um, number two, I love what you said about, you know, in the, the hardest things, there's, you know, the, the greatest things are greater grace. Um, look for the, the contrast, you know, Ruth was set in a time of, of judges. It was an awful time. The world was going to hell in a handbasket. And then here's this beautiful light that is easier to recognize. And so sometimes God's light is easier to recognize when we're in the deepest moments of grief. Um, number three, um, you know, change what you can and wait for God to do the rest, move and wait and move and wait. And number four, always look for his details. Um, he's moving in your details, whether you can see him or not, he's moving today. He really is. Um, and then the, the fifth thing is just to remember he does promise to renew our lives. That's the whole gospel story is about transformation, renewal, and redemption. That is his promise to us. So he is making all things new. And it's not just when we get to heaven. He's working on renewing our lives today. So if we can remember those five things, we'll be all right. Mm. Oh, and and that's such a great promise that he is renewing. It's not all about, hey, you know, we're, we're going to have this amazing party in heaven. Right. He, he's about the, the party right now. He came so we could have an abundant life. Absolutely. And, and with that, I, I like to, um, I don't even know how to say this, but just what God is doing in your life to inspire others and mm. your days are numbered basically is what you're saying. And if we all would look at it, we're all numbered, you know, we, it's a hundred percent, right? We're, we're all yep. in that. What is our next 24 hours? And so just thank you. Thank you for the calling of writing this book and inspiring others. And for those of you, uh, we are in it together and tag your it, go be renewed. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.